And I was like, well, okay, I'm definitely not going to become a hockey fan. I'm, you know, sports are just not my thing. everyone and welcome to Good Wood, a new hockey fandom podcast. My name is Jess and before we dive in, I want to share a little bit with you about how this podcast came to be and what we're trying to do. You probably noticed that there are about a million NHL podcasts out there, most of them focusing on league news, analytics, and sports commentary. We're also big fans of more fanish podcasts like You Can't Do That, which offer an improv comedy take on hockey news and culture. What your three hosts have found ourselves craving is a podcast that delves into the experience of being hockey fans who came to hockey and have stayed in hockey because of transformative fandom. We come from a variety of backgrounds. We're literary critics, historians, teachers, and fic writers. But what unites us is a shared fascination with transformative histories, practices, and cultures. As we'll talk about in this episode, we're also fascinated by what it means for people like us to straddle the line between mainstream sports culture and transformative or creative fandom spaces. Fair warning, we are all Pittsburgh Penguins fans and Sid Gino writers, so this podcast will definitely have a pen slant. But we're deeply interested in pan-fandom trends and practices, and we hope you'll find these discussions interesting, even if you support other teams or ship other pairings. Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm Beth. I've been a hockey fan for about six years, and I've been in fandom ecosystems broadly for 15. I'm Kit. I've been a hockey fan for about two years now, so not that long, but I've, I guess I've always been in fandom in some way. I'm Jess, and I've been in transformative fandoms for 21 years, and then um, in hockey fandom, I think I'm coming up on three years. Wait, and Beck, how long have you been in hockey fandom? I know you just said. Six. I six. Just oh six my god. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I we, know. Tell me about it. So you're our most senior member. Oh, uh, you know. Yeah. See, grizzled veteran. <laughs> you're the guy in the room with a ring. That's <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Well, yeah. I I quite literally am because neither of you two were around for the 2017 Stanley Cup. Yeah. We don't even know what it takes. You know. <laughs> Jess and I are like the fresh faced rookies, and you're like the grizzled vet. I'll do my best, old man Sidney Crosby impression of making sure you guys feel real welcome on the team you know? yeah you're gonna invite us to dinner and like take us out you know <laughs> right beautiful. ingratiate but... you and all of my insane rituals that you need to abide by lest I freak out yeah and that's Normal how it should stuff. be that's how friendship should be <laughs> absolutely well on that note we should probably talk about how we know each other so we all met through fic initially Jess I actually think you started writing before I did you published a hockey fanfic a while back and then I published one, but we didn't connect until I want to say probably about a year or at least half a year after I wrote my fic. Yeah, because I was determined to make you my friend. I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because even though I've been in fandom for 15 years on and off, I have not really been in one-on-one -on -one fandom or like interactive fandom in that degree. I have one fandom friend for, I've probably been friends with him for 15 years. 
But um, he was kind of it until I joined hockey and I found a really different community that I engaged with on a different level. So that was really exciting. And I couldn't imagine podcasting in any of my previous fandoms like I am now, just because the interpersonal connections are incredibly different, which is really exciting. Yeah. And then Kit and I like kind of, well, because we, Kit, like we were in One Direction fandom before this, right? So like, <gasps> that's true. Kit, you and were then... a 1D fan? How did I not know this? I'm like stealth. I've I've known of Jazz for a long time, but I think we've never really interacted. I mean, I I like sent you anon messages for like years. So I was like, I gotta tell this person my thoughts, but I never really like talked to you. Oh my god! So wait, Kit, was Jess any part of your journey to hockey fandom, or was um, it happen yes. independently? Weirdly enough, yes, but in like a really roundabout way where um. I mean, this is a bigger story, but essentially, I I really missed being in like an RPF fandom, or not even RPF, but just a fandom that wasn't just contained to one, I don't know, one series of a TV show or one movie or whatever. I, I really missed that kind of fandom where you just have constant content and basically just never-ending lore that you can look up. I really miss that kind of fandom. And so I thought like, hmm, a lot of One Direction people went into hockey and a lot of those people were my favorite fake writers. So gotta see what those people were writing. So the first person I checked was Jess and I saw that Jess, I think at that point had not written anything yet for hockey, but I did see your bookmarks and I was like, okay, I, I trust you. I trust your bookmarks. So that's kind of how I got into uh, hockey fic. That's incredible. I can't believe I never knew this. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, the 1D to hockey pipeline, but in yeah. a really roundabout way. No, the, the 1D to hockey pipeline fascinates me because it's not the venue through which I entered hockey fandom. And I didn't really know about it, frankly, until the last few years, just because I was really divorced from it. I was part of the wave of fans that came over from Check Please, the webcomic by Ngozi Ukazu. And those fans basically all became Penguins fans, if, if my memory serves me correctly. So we kind of created our own micro ecosystem. So I didn't really interact with any of the people who did the 1D to hockey pipeline because we all kind of migrated over together. And the 1D people weren't particularly, I think they came a bit later too, but they also weren't particularly loud about their previous fandom in 1D, whereas a lot of the Check Please people still did both Check Please and Real Hockey. So I actually didn't even know that this migration wave existed until, again, like probably the last two years. And now That's everyone so I know is like part of it, which is the weirdest thing to me. I've heard of, I've heard tale. I've heard uh, whisperings that there was a big um, bandom to hockey pipeline years back. Yes, I have read some like live journal posts about this because I was also incredibly curious and found it really interesting just how it parallels the 1D to hockey pipeline. But apparently it had a lot to do with the Fall Out Boy fandom. And a lot of the fans became Blackhawks fans because of Fall Out Boy's connection to Chicago. Yeah, we should do like a future episode too, where we like map the different like ways because I think that's so interesting. Like di people's different paths here, and like and like what RPF fandoms or fiction fandoms. fandoms. Yeah, yeah. 
Because, like, again, like, one of the things that I didn't realize about hockey fandom was the preponderance of self-insert fanfics or original character, like, male-female fanfics. That didn't really exist in my ecosystem when I got into hockey, and I'm relatively convinced that that is a side effect of the 1D migration. I'm pretty sure, I'm sure it existed beforehand, but not in the same way it exists now, and I'm, again, convinced that that is part of the migration history of the 1D fans, because there are certainly 1D fans who wrote self-insert fanfic. Pause here for a quick interjection from Jess. When we originally recorded this episode, we intended the introduction part to be just a brief intro before we dove into the Geno contract gate. But we found that we just had way too much to say, so we decided to split it into an episode zero and an episode one. But that means the structure became a little bit unwieldy. What we're about to do now is we're each going to go around and talk about our fanish histories, our journey to hockey fandom, and really just what being in hockey fandom looks like for us. That's what you can expect here. If you're not interested in that, feel free to join us in episode one, where we talk about Gino and the uh, catastrophic near departure from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like I said, I've been in transformative fandom for 21 years now. And I think even before I was in fandom, I was super into collaborative forms of creativity. I was the kind of kid who was always like making my friends write novels with me or, you know, putting on plays that we'd written together, things like that. I think my first real fandom was Lord of the Rings when I was maybe 10 or 11. And then I got into Harry Potter was my first fic fandom in um, when I was about 11 or 12. I was in pretty much exclusively Harry Potter for most of my teen years. I delved a little bit into other fandoms like uh, Merlin, Sherlock, uh, Doctor Who, things like that. But mostly it was a Harry Potter and specifically a Harry Draco shipper for my teen years. Um, in grad school, I stepped back from fandom for a little bit and then re-engaged uh, with One Direction fandom in 2015. Um, my girlfriend at the time had been a fan of the band since they formed on The X Factor. And so I got kind of sucked into that and it was the last summer that they were touring. So um, we went to a bunch of concerts and I just like became obsessed with them over Tumblr, um, just like reblogging GIFs and, and reading all the fic I could get my hands on. Um, so I was in, I was with One Direction fandom for quite a while. Um, even after the band broke up, I had a, a pretty active community of writers um, and that was the first time that I'd, I'd written very bad fanfic for Harry Draco, but mostly on my own. Um, but uh, One Direction was definitely the first fandom where I spent a lot of time writing with other people and discussing fic with other people and sharing headcanons and um, uh, baiting other people's fics and stuff like that. So um, I was that was really exciting for me, really transformative for me. And then One Direction broke up, which I'm still a little bit recovering from emotionally. And um, I stuck around for Harry and Niall, who were my two favorites, but um, just kind of, I kind of felt like the energy started to die a little bit just with, you know, the well had dried up and there's no new content. And that was really depressing to experience because that had been such a huge part of my creative and social life, um, especially, you know, engaging with other writers. So um, that was really depressing. And then I think at the end of 2019, I read um, a Sid Gino, a very long Sid Gino fic um, that I got really into and I was like well okay I'm definitely not going to become a hockey fan I'm, I'm not going to you know sports are just not my thing but um, this might be a fun area to read in and so I started reading a little bit you know just kind of exploring feeling out the the fandom space reading a ton of different pairings within hockey um, but really not paying attention at all to the teams or the sport or anything like that um, 
and then the pandemic started in March 2020. And um, when everything shut down, I just had a ton of time on my hands. And so um, I just really dove in and did that exhaustive deep dive into um you know, just reading absolutely everything on AO3. I think I would put in like eight hours a day reading and then just ended up getting really into the sport when it came back in the bubble. And then just, you know, it was kind of downhill from there. I just got really, really into the sport too. But I'd say I'm I'm definitely like a transformative fandom first and first, and then a sports, like a fan of the sport a long way down. I really enjoy it, but the parts of it I really enjoy are definitely the the fandom-y aspects of it. Um, And the, the experience of like live blogging or live tweeting a game, stuff like that just that collective experience and I guess I'd say the other aspect of my fandom history my journey to hockey is that um, I'm also an academic by training and I studied fandom for a long time in grad school and taught about fandom cultures so I'm I've always just been really really interested in that thread of collaborative creativity shared creativity that has fascinated me since I was a little kid but then also just really interested in the way that fans like make sense of different emotional experiences the way that fandom becomes this place for us to channel huge emotions and process our identities and and build these relationships. So I've really been interested in that collective social experience of of being a fan and being in fandom. And that's been really important to me in my uh, intellectual life too, I guess, and not just my creative and social life as a fan. So that's the other kind of um, piece of background that I bring to fandom that I think will be relevant to this podcast. I feel like I'm just going to read the fic and I'm not going to care about the sport. That's like famous last words. That's what the horror movie character says before you like, you know, the killer comes in and drags you into the woods. From stage left, enter Sidney Crosby with Butcher's Knife. (laughs) Exactly. Kit, what was your like, what's your fandom history or fandom background and, and what led you here? I actually tried to write like a little hockey fandom journey chronology this morning when you told us that you want to talk about that because I was I was interested um I have a terrible memory I don't know what happened in my teen years so most of this is is all over the place but um it was kind of similar to yours where uh I started pretty early I would say I I really got into internet based fandom when I was maybe 12 years old or so started with Harry Potter and then maybe Twilight at some point and then the really to me like the interesting one was I think when I was maybe 12 or 13 I got into an RPF fandom for this like German punk band from the 80s which was pretty big it felt pretty big at the time for me I mean if for those of you who can't tell from my a vague European accent. I am German. Um, And I got into like reading fic on like message boards and fan groups. And it was like a lot of self-insert stuff, but also that was where I encountered slash fiction for the first time. And that was like pretty influential because I feel like that type of fandom keeps coming back in my fandom history. And then, I don't know, I did like the typical like everything, you know, from anime to TV shows, uh, super hulock, everything. I went through all of it. Harry Potter again, Limis, all kinds of TV shows, Merlin, Marvel, Star Trek, Check Please. Uh, I really feel like I've tried most popular fandoms at some point, but I never really felt like I wanted to actually contribute to the fan works. Like, I was always consuming stuff. I never really wanted to contribute um, other than 
maybe in a curatorial role where I would write or I would I would collect fic recs or something like that or maybe publish a, a playlist but I never really wrote fic or anything like that and then One Direction was obviously a big one influential one and that was kind of where I started really having fandom friendships where I would talk to people about headcanons and make up little fic ideas and stuff I still wasn't writing anything but I was like doing that creative work that to this day to me is more fun than writing like just talking about the potential of writing talking about what you could potentially write if you were to sit down and actually put work work into it but um yeah, I always really enjoyed that. And then, obviously, One Direction, as uh, Jess said, died. Um, they all so sad. died. And <laughs> so sad. Sometimes, sometimes you can still hear them from the grave. But uh, yeah, they disappeared. And then I got into all kinds of like mini fandoms. I was just like for years kind of hopping from fandom for, to fandom every month, basically. And then I got really into the terror in... 2018 which is this abc mini series it's pretty bleak it's about like victorian doomed voyage to the north uh pole um but it was like the first thing that really got me into creative fandom again where i joined a discord server which i feel like is a super i don't know current way to do fandom um, I got into a Discord server and I actually started writing fanfic for the first time since I was 13 years old um, and publishing fic on AO3. And yeah, I stayed in that fandom for maybe two years or so. But, you know, there's there's only so much lore. There's only so much content with a miniseries. It's got, I think, 10 episodes. At some point, you've analyzed every single second of that and I really missed the kind of constant exhilarating joy and anxiety really and um, just constant content that being a fan of something like sports or a band would give you like there's always something happening 24 7 there's new stuff coming out that you can talk about that you can discuss and I missed that so much and I knew that hockey could potentially give me that and I knew that there were really good writers that I knew from 1D in hockey so all of that kind of came together and then at the beginning of the pandemic it was like well, I have all this free time and I'm stuck at home. Might as well check out some fan fiction. And I read mostly Sid Gino just because that was the stuff that I saw in, in people's bookmarks and that the people that I liked were writing. And yeah, told myself that I didn't care about the game. And then, I don't know, I, I, I blacked out and I woke up and I was watching hockey. Happens to the best of us. Okay, Kit, there's, like, so much in that I want to pick up on. But let's, like, right. back, oh, yeah. I want to hear about Bex. Like, I'm, like, taking notes furiously so we can have stuff to discuss. But, but Bex, yeah, tell us about your – because I think you – obviously, you have kind of a different journey. But I'm even noticing, like, differences. Like, Kit, I feel like you're much more of a multi-fandom, multi-shipper person, even if Sid Gino's your number one. It seems like you've moved around between a lot of different fandoms more, whereas I've been kind of, like, I yeah. get into one, and then I that's my fandom. Yeah, so I'm curious about back what your journey has been like and what led you here and and so on. Yes, so I am much more of a Jess than I am a Kit. The Kit to Jess spectrum, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We should do like a BuzzFeed quiz at some point. Yeah, are you a Kit, Jess, or Beck? But um, I am much more of a Jess in 
that spectrum merely because I have a really obsessive personality and when I find something that I want to get into, I am full in on it. And that manifested, when I was very young, that manifested in books. I was a voracious reader, read anything and everything under the sun. I was intensely interested in the Tamara Pierce books. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Same. Vintage, right? Yeah, so those, those were like my bread and butter. I read everything that she put out, but I didn't look for a fandom. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't find fandom until Twilight. So that was my entryway. I was probably 11 or 12 and had unfettered access to the family computer. And I was clicking around looking for Twilight related, related things, probably, and wound up on a fan fiction website that no longer exists. I wish I could remember what it was called, but I've searched to no avail. So my in- entry into fanfic, unlike YouTube, was actually not Slash. It was MF fic. I was, re- I was reading Bella oh, and interesting. Fic, and I actually wrote it, too. Um, I was 11 or 12, absolutely lying about my age to get onto sites because the oh, Twilight same. fandom experience was limited to a couple different forum websites. So the two that I was on were a different forest and Twilighted, and you absolutely had to be a certain age to get onto those, and I certainly was not, but here we were. I've actually reconnected with a current hockey fandom member who was also on those websites, and I like to tease her that I was probably on there at, as, at like 12 years old, and she's like in her mid-30s or older now, so like that stresses her out to know that I was like a little teeny bopper you know wreaking havoc on these you know forums or what have you but regardless so my entry to fandom was twilight as a little teeny bopper i remained there for quite a while until i fell into k-pop when i was in middle school so this is k-pop before k-pop got big so i like to joke that i'm a bit of a trendsetter because i was getting back into k-pop in like the early 2010s before like bts existed or any of these big groups So I spent some time in K-pop. After K-pop, I got into the Teen Wolf TV show for a hot minute. Teen Wolf then led me to Check, Please, and then Check, Please led me to Real Hockey. In terms of how I participated in these fandoms, the vast, vast majority was lurking. I wrote fic for only two fandoms. I wrote fic for Twilight, and it was mostly crack fic because I was 12, to be clear. And then a long, long break, and then I started writing fic again for hockey. And personally, I think that has to do with my age. I was just really young, and I was a talented writer, or so I had been told by teachers and peers. But I didn't feel like I had the chops to really tell a good story, especially a good romance story at those ages. So um, I was just a silent consumer for the vast majority of that time. I met like one friend in like Teen Wolf fandom, but I really didn't interact with people. I just was on Tumblr, you know, reading, clicking around, enjoying myself, but not really interacting with anyone. And um, I kept it that way basically until hockey again. And I wish I had a good reason for that. And I wish I could point and say, I know why I did that, but I don't. That's so interesting, though, because like, as I said, I, I also did the lurking for most of my fandom life. And I think that what you say about age is so true, because I always felt like I was the youngest person on these forums and these sites and that just meant that I felt like I'm I'm mature enough to consume stuff but I didn't want to put anything out there you know exactly and I think too um something that I'm grateful for is that 
I grew up in the period of the internet where you were supposed to still be anonymous, you know? Yeah. And I think that's changed. And I don't, I have my own opinions on that. But regardless, I grew up in that time period where like we got the stranger danger talks about the internet. And so to me, I think part of it was the idea that if I wrote something, even if it was anonymous, even if it was a random username that had nothing to do with me, myself, and I, that was still putting something of myself out there. And that was a risk. You know, I was a minor, I was young, and I was essentially watching strangers interact on the internet. And, you know, that's, I think the cultural attitudes around that have changed, but I think that's where I began from. And that's played somewhat of a role in why I spent so long lurking, because I knew I was young and I knew I was reading things I probably shouldn't be reading, you know, at young ages. And so that led to me just being a silent observer. And I don't regret it. I'm grateful that the fandom friends I have now have interacted with me at this age and, you know, this level of maturity that I have now. You know, I don't think, you know, 15-year-old Beck needed to be running around the internet making friends with people. I don't mind it. And I've found, too, that hockey fandom has been a particularly good place to land because of its size. I just like how small it is um, and because of how within that smallness, it's already small, you have these like micro factions of the different teams or different ships yes. that you interact yeah. with. And it's a much more intimate and safe feeling community, which is also not necessarily true for previous fandoms. There was a lot of toxicity in K-pop. There was a lot of, there was a ton of toxicity in Teen Wolf. Check Please started out small, was real nice, then it got big, did not become as nice. So it's always been like a negoci negotiation. I'm trying to figure out you know, is this environment one that I want to open myself up to and, you know, become a person as opposed to just becoming a, you know, faceless blog? Well, thank God there was no uh, kind of toxicity in One Direction and no problems. <laughs> yes, yeah, zero, not yeah. at all. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I've talked about this with um, some friends before, but too, but like, it's just like hockey fandom is like so peaceful after One Direction fandom. It's amazing just oh, like yeah. how much, and it's not to say that people are always nice to each other, that there's not like, con you know, kind of social conflicts or clickiness or whatever, but it's just so different than like a massive fandom, which I imagine K-pop is kind of the same, a massive fandom that is like, there's so many people who have such different ideas and kind of fandom values and practices interacting. And like, there's so much conflict, you know, I just feel like in One Direction fandom, I would get nasty anons all the time, you know, and in hockey fandom, it's like, okay, like once every couple months. I think not to say that age is the entire like linchpin upon which this hangs, but I do think that the relative maturity of hockey fans in terms of age contributes to that. Just because from what I've observed, hockey trends older in terms of fandom participants, especially active ones like the fic writers, the gift makers, what have you. And I think that just lends itself to more stability because the vast majority of us, I think, have been through some shit whether that was 1D, <laughs> whether it was something else. So I think by the time we retire to the green pastures of hockey, we're like, okay, <laughs> please just let us hang out. We're going to vibe. We're going to have a good the time. The farm upstate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, that's not to say that, again, like you said, Jess, that hockey's always been peaceful. I've been in hockey fandom for a bit longer than you guys, and I can attest that there has been some tense and incredibly unpleasant moments. But comparatively, there is relatively little interpersonal conflict from what I've witnessed, which was not always the case in previous fandoms I've seen. And part of me wants to contribute that to the age range of hockey. But again, who's to say? It's not like we're running any, you know, qualitative assessments of, you know, we're not polling the fandom populace to try and figure out, you know, everyone's information. But And that's so, that's so interesting when you 
consider what you said earlier about age, you know, that maybe being younger makes you not as confident to put something out there. I mean, there are a lot of young fans who absolutely put content out there, but I was, I never felt, I don't know, confident enough to do that. I definitely think the age, um, I, I also feel like anecdotally, at least it skews older. And then I think there's the like microcultures, like you were saying back also helps because it's like, if there is fandom, like tension or whatever, you know, like I don't go into like caps fandom, like to try to stir up drama or whatever, you know, like I stay kind of stay in my lane. And there obviously there are teams that I hate with my entire being. If they've knocked us out of the playoffs, they're my enemies forever. But yeah, like it's, there's something about like that smaller, like it feels more like a neighborhood than like a giant city where you could just interact with anybody at any time. And, and I very much operate as an isolationist in hockey fandom. I know that there are plenty of people that do the multi-team thing, that do the multi-shipper thing. And I think that's wonderful for them. But when it comes to me, I simply had to, like, I locked myself in like the Sid Genome enclosure and like the Penguins fandom area of the zoo and stayed there. And for me, that was personally mostly because of my own interest. I simply was not intrigued by other teams whatsoever. But it also... Uh, went really far to preserving that peace because I kind of just surrounded myself with like-minded people and that helped I think because basically every other iteration of fandom the conflicts often erupt over like ships and I think that's hard to do in hockey not just because the shipping possibilities are endless people ship the most random and out-of-pocket things joyfully and gleefully and I think people are better at leaving each other alone when that happens because there's not really any competition and there's not any canon you know right. there's not like there's right. a canon romance which um is a bit it's a little bit different i think compared to the 1d fandom from what i've heard just like the shipper fighting that was happening but you guys are more familiar with that because you guys have been in rpf fandoms the war. yeah in the trenches <laughs> you guys have been in rpf fandoms for longer and more recently than me I only did that one detour into K-pop, and it was kind of funny because after K-pop, I kind of thought to myself, I don't think I'm doing that again, simply because I think there is some cognitive dissonance you need to practice in order to do an RPF fandom. And once you're kind of, once you've lifted your like fandom goggles up and you've, you've kind of become disillusioned with your fandom, I think it's easier to see the pitfalls and like the very real like ethical dilemmas in like RPF. Um, and so once I had left K-pop, I was like, well, you know, I'll just stick to fiction. Fiction is less messy and it's not as questionable and I can talk to people a little bit more about it, you know. But um, then Sidney Crosby came and knocked at my door and said, hey, uh, do you want to rethink that? And I said, fine. And here we are. The other thing I'd say to you, just but we can then move on from this, but like I was thinking to you about like differences between 1D or K-pop and a smaller fandom or like a more like fragmented fandom like hockey too is I just haven't seen as much of the tin hatting behavior that you see in some of the larger RPF fandoms where people get really convinced that their ship is real you know and that they have an obligation to prove that or to defend it in some way and I think that was what accounted for like a ton of the not all of the nastiness in 1D fandom but a ton of it was those um kind of it wasn't even like ship wars because it was like people who were convinced that a ship was real versus people who were like you can't stalk the family members of the band or whatever you know that's so interesting to me though just because of hockey's history or hockey rpf's history as being like kind of this like grandchild of og bandom 
and 1D fandom because both of those are things I know not being a participant in either of them I know there was tin hatting in both of those and yet somehow when that filters into hockey fandom that stopped for some reason and I part of me wonders if it's the like hyper masculinization Mm -hmm. of hockey and how maybe that contributes to you know them being less willing to look at these professional athletes and say oh yeah they're totally secretly in love I feel like it might also be just a different approach because when I think of like the the big tin hatting fandoms it's like you know the Lord of the Rings guys that was like a big one right and even like I think that like you know the older boy bands like NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys have like huge tin hatting communities and I, I feel like the difference is in hockey at least from what I can tell most people don't come at it like oh, I think those people might be genuinely in a relationship. Let's build a fandom or an RPF community around that. It's more like, we want to build an RPF community. Let's see what options we have to, I don't know, like push these paper mache dolls against each other. Um, So it feels like a different approach to me, but that might just be my uh, observation. (laughs) I don't know. That's really interesting, Kit, because I also think that's indicative of how you approach fandom as well. And I would not be surprised if that's how that manifested, because you seem to go into fandom, fandom with a lot of intentionality, and you want oh, to you know, look for that. And it, that's incredibly like alien to me, not in a bad way, but just that's deeply not how I experience. I'm running through the zoo, um, I'm getting ice cream, I'm skipping from enclosure to enclosure, it's just... And you're putting leashes on all the pets that you want to take home with you. Oh, absolutely. Whereas for me, it's more like the tiger like looks at me and like grabs me by my shoulder like Siegfried and Roy and like drags me off stage. <laughs> but in any case, speaking of uh, what draws us into hockey fandom, I kind of wanted to get into that a little bit. You know, what what aspects of hockey drew us in and like what has kept us there? Yeah, I don't, I feel like, okay, so maybe it's easier for me to say what kind of drew me in at first. (laughs) And then um, I think definitely, like, I was not a Sigino shipper when I came into hockey fandom. And I actually thought, I think because I was reading a lot of older stuff where Sid is written as a little bit more of that, what's that, like, emotional toaster? toaster, Space toaster. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I was reading a lot of that stuff and I was like, this guy seems kind of boring. Like, that's not really what I'm about. But I love Gino because I was like, you know, I love like a class clown character. So I was really into him, but I wasn't that into Sid. And I was like, well, that kind of sucks because that would be my pairing, you know, if I was, you know, because <laughs> Gino has there's the most content there or whatever. So I got into it and I started reading a lot. And I think what I really liked about it was in terms of like thinking about what drew me to 1D and then what drew me to hockey, there was kind of that similar thing about like, people working in like a same gender environment towards a common goal where you spend a ton of time together, like a ton of time on the road together, a ton of time working together towards this thing, whether it's putting on a concert or, you know, playing a game. And I just have always really liked that kind of exploring like really the way that really intense friendships and relationships can develop in those kind of environments where it's just like tons and tons of time together. And I also really like in 1D, I think one of the things that people really explored in Vic was that like, there was something about like the constantly being on the road, like living in hotels. It was almost like this alternative domestic space, right? Where these relationships could unfold that was like kind of removed from people's, you know, what we would think of as like our everyday lives or whatever. And I kind of felt like that was, that was sort of the case in hockey too, where they're basically like touring all the time, you know? And so like a lot of those relationships happen like outside of the home and they're in like these hotel spaces and you're kind of forging these different like 
male-male relationships. So I feel like there was just like some stuff about like kind of team and intensity of experience that was like a common thread from One Direction. And then I think just like the more I read about the players themselves, like I just, you know, like I'm just like so all in for Sidney Crosby now. <laughs> like that's just, you know, like I'm obsessed with him and I want to think about him all the time and I want to be more like him in every way, you know, maybe not the superstitions, but every other way. Um, and so I think that was really interesting because it was, I feel like I've never had that kind of um, almost inspirational connection to an object of fandom before where I felt like, especially like the stuff around his thousandth game and like some of the stuff like that, like where I was really thinking like, wow, this person like makes me want to be better at the things that I do. Like I want to kind of like emulate this person's style of working and the way that they seem to be with their friends and like their teammates. And, and I feel like that was what kind of like, like, even though I was already into like writing, that was like re really locked me in, <laughs> you know, it was like that experience of being so kind of like, it's stupid to say, or it sounds silly to say, maybe not to you guys, but like, I really just like was moved by Sidney Crosby <laughs> and, that, and that like feeling of being like so moved by somebody. It was just, again, like I hadn't experienced that before in fandom. And I think that's maybe that's like the answer to your question back of like why I stayed, why I haven't kind of drifted on to another ship or another um, fandom is the intensity of relationships that I formed in, in hockey fandom, but then also the intensity of that connection or that attachment to Sid as a person. I think that's incredible. I don't think that's stupid at all. No, I'm I'm really moved. I'm moved by you being moved. I've read your posts about Sid. Well, Kit, I have the same question for you then, because as a as a drifter, as a connoisseur, as a person who kind of floats along the buffet table and grabs things at whim, what has stuck you in hockey for a hot minute? Well, you can imagine me with like my little stick and my bundle, and I've got a loaf of bread in there and a chunk of cheese, and I'm just walking from fandom to fandom basically um but what has kept me what's, what's kept me there I really think for me the friendships and the relationships that I've cultivated in hockey that has made a huge difference because that's usually what keeps me in a fandom as uh, definitely when there's no new content but also usually there's there's kind of there are cycles that I go through with fandoms where I will forget about a fandom for a while and then I might come back a few years later and look at it again and then I forget about it again and there's got to be something else if I want to stay in a fandom for longer than maybe three or four months and that's really the relationships that I build with other people where I feel like I can talk about this thing I can exchange headcanons I can talk about what's going on and yeah that's like a big deal for me when it comes to staying I've also been thinking about how I got into hockey in the first place I think it's really funny that just that you said uh you were really into Gino's character but not so much Sid because for me it's it's the exact opposite where I like started out really liking Sid but I was like yeah and also Gino's there which is absolutely not how I think about it now so don't come at me but um I have this deep convoluted uh conspiracy theory that it's because I used to be a Nile stan and it all makes sense to me okay it all makes sense to me I see ya yeah I... <laughs> right we'll have to do a later episode where you guys explain to me different 1D references that I don't understand absolutely just uh for now to me um they have the same appeal that's that's all I can give you for now yeah, I think, I don't know, I can just repeat anything that Jess said, except for the Gino stuff. Um, it has really good tropes. It has really good writers. And that's what I came for. So 
I kind of went through this evolution of reading fic basically as original romance fic because I had no clue who these people were to like looking them up um, you know seeing what what do they look like are there videos of them what are their backstories to actually watching games that was kind of my hockey evolution but I think a like unique thing about hockey that I never had before with a fandom that also kind of kept me here is this kind of connection to a fandom that feels mainstream in the way that, you know, it has this huge component where it's not just transformative fandom. It's not just my style of fandom. It's, it feels mainstream, which is funny to say, because obviously like the NHL is not exactly mainstream in Europe, but sports as a general concept, people understand, you know, as fandom. So even when like when people ask me like what are you into and I can say like I'm into ice hockey they're not going to like they, they've probably never seen an, a game or anything but they're like I understand that and I can sort of relate to that and um yeah especially the way that it has made me or it's it's helped me bond with uh male members of my family in a way that I've, I feel like I've never had access to before and that's a really strange feeling. But like when there's like um, my brother lives in Switzerland and when there's like a, something in the news there about some, I don't know, Roman Yossi or someone, he will like send me a screenshot like, look, look, a hockey player. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you. It's like when, a, you know, when your cat brings you like a dead mouse or something <laughs> and they're like, look, I, I have... I have spotted the hockey player for you in the newspaper. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you for this beautiful gift. Because I feel like for the first time, like there's this whole other demographic of people that I can sort of relate to now that I haven't had before. And that's something I really want to explore more and and why that feels strange and compelling. But yeah, that's definitely been a part of it as well. That's been a big part of it for me too, Kit, and I'm so glad you brought it up because that was something I really wanted to talk about. And um, I'm glad we can connect on that because I felt goofy listening to both of you talk about, you know, Jess aspirationally looking up to Sidney Crosby and, you know, Kit, you were, you were, you, you found deep meaning and connection with other people. And the reason I got into Crosby because I think Sidney Crosby is a little freak and I really find him interesting and I want to look at him. I want to put him in a jar and look at him for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, with like a little twig and a little leaf. You See, know? That, that's <laughs> the difference. You want to put a little twig and leaf in there and I was like, oh, just shake him. Just shake him really hard. Exactly. So um, I was drawn to hockey and I had a very direct connection to it because at the time... I was in the Check Please fandom, right? And the author of Check Please compared my favorite character from the webcomic to Sid during a live stream. She said that he was basically inspired by him. And I was like, oh, I should check this guy out. Bold bold last words. That was, if, if only I knew what was about to come. So I found him incredibly interesting, not only because there were connections between him and the character I really liked, but um, I also just find boy wonder characters to be really cool. And and he, uh, this was also a very good time to get into hockey. That was right after the 2016 Cup win. So a recent Cup win, a chosen one narrative, and a bevy of fix starring him and his close friend on the team. And I was like, oh, this this looks like a great place to be. I'm going to stay right here. And um, what kept me there, I think, was a combination of factors. So like incredibly high quality fan works, 
constant new content via games and team news and whatever, and a set of characters, and I say that with extreme air quotes, that I'm very invested in. And now, most importantly, I think, are the friendships I've made through fandom, and I didn't start really making fandom friends until about halfway through my time, my tenure in hockey fandom. Several of my closest friends are now Penguins fans, um, so I found an incredible community of fellow creatives, you know, writers, artists, betas, whoever, and um, that's been instrumental. Now, I didn't really start making hockey fandom friends until a while in, but I've made a few different kinds. Online, they've all been fandom friends, and I'm going to make a distinction that is not quite correct, but it's how I refer to it. So for clarification purposes, when I say fandom, I know that fandom as a term can encompass all sorts of socially acceptable and socially expected fan behaviors, but I personally use fandom to refer to transformative fandom. And when I refer to like run of the mill fans or like normie fans, I think more of like my father's love of like the 70s Steelers, you know, like I often will say like fanishness simply because I like to make distinct what I consider to be fandom and what I consider to be run of the mill fan behavior. And it's a little funny to say that, I think, because I flow very easily between these two modes. I live in Pittsburgh, which means I engage with everyday fans really frequently. And so I switch into a more standard form of fandom when I do this. You know, I'm more likely to discuss gameplay and scores and what I would consider like typical sports chatter. And that is fandom activity. I just don't really think of it that way. I keep the fandomy parts of my fandom, like shipping, you know, my more general interest in the personal lives of players separate just because I think it's unnecessary to get into that emotional level with more casual fans. But I interact with those casual fans all the time, be it like in job settings, out and about, at games that I go to. And it's a really fun like kind of way to keep my obsessive interest in fandom part of my personality that is consumable by the general public. Because I don't want, you know, a random coworker to know that I like ship two, pers- two athletes. Like that's kind of a lot. But they can know I'm a Penguins fan and, you know, we can move from there and be interested in the team together in a way that you described, Kit, where it's like, I can talk to my dad about the Penguins all the time. And it's a very normal thing to do because I don't really bring the fandomy parts into it. And I'm really happy to navigate fandom in these two different venues of having like my online fandom life and my in-person fandom life, which is really enabled by virtue of me being in the place where the team is. So it's something I particularly like about hockey fandom is I'm able to engage with the public and a section of the public I rarely interact with, which is men, in a knowledgeable but normal way. I really want to know more about your hockey life in Pittsburgh. We got to talk about that some more later. Yeah, I mean, I moved here for the team. Like, I I was like, hey, I've got nothing going on where I was before. I might as well move somewhere. And I had a friend in Pittsburgh. I'd met a friend through fandom. And she was like, hey, have you thought about looking out here? And I was like, okay. A matter of months later, I had uprooted my life and moved to a new city because of fandom, which is kind of crazy. But it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. I hadn't even thought about this until you both brought it up. But like, one thing that's really interesting is like that it's also normalized. It's normalized to be a fan of sports, but it's also normalized to be unbelievably obsessive and emotionally invested in your sports team. You know what I mean? So like people can understand when you're like incredibly upset over like a loss or something, or when you're like, you know, incredibly excited over something like that's like people understand that mode of like fanish, like attachment and intensity of emotion, even if we're like kind of the things that we're reacting to are a little bit different, maybe than the, the run of the mill fan. 
but yeah and that's so different because like you know in like one direction fandom or like i don't know harry potter fandom or whatever like that like intensity of emotion is like a little bit weird to most people right like that's not really something that people like kind of understand and like so there is really something interesting about like even though i'm not super public with a wider audience of people about the fact that i my fandom is like shipping based i can be very public about how intense i feel about my team and that's like normal you know so i will say we still do it differently than the mainstream fans and i think there's no place more exemplary of that than in what happened oh, with Gino's sure. contract so i think this is a yeah. wonderful time yeah. to slide to take to pause and then slide into part 2 so we can discuss how we reacted to the saga versus how you know that bald men wearing sunglasses avatars on twitter reacted If you'd like to react to the episode or write in with questions or topics for us to discuss, you can reach us at goodwoodpod on Tumblr or goodwoodpod at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you.